morning. It's great to be with you. My name is Wade. I have the awesome privilege, along with my wife and the wonderful 24-7 staff, of loving these students here. Uh, if you are a college student and you're not uh, plugged into things going on at 24-7, please come see me after this service. I'd love to meet, meet with you and get to know you and, and see how you can join in our community. They're going to be in Psalm 23 this morning. Psalm 23 is the greatest poem ever written by a human, for sure. It's not even a contest. This is the greatest poem in just over 50 words. You have everything, everything you could long for is in this poem. And, uh, but here, here's, uh, here's something I want to talk about, Kevin. You ever had a friend that you spend time with? Maybe it's uh, weekly or maybe it's yearly. And every time you're with this friend, uh, they encourage you. They speak words of life to you. They fill you with confidence and with peace. And then you walk away from time with this friend, no matter if it was every week you meet with them or if it's once a year, maybe you had not seen them for five years, you see them, it's like, oh, just like old times, you know? And after you spend time with them, you just have this sense, right? You just feel cared for. You want to be a better human. You know what I'm talking about? You have those friends? Well, I want to introduce you to such a friend. I want to introduce you to a friend named Psalm 23. Psalm 23 Uh, if you're willing, can be your lifelong companion on your journey with Jesus. In fact, I was just talking with a uh, a guy just after this service, or just after last service, and he told me, he just recently, he said, I I pray Psalm 23 all the time. I was walking my dogs, and I just was praying through it recently. There you go. Psalm 23 is a friend that can be with you your entire life and can really shape your heart and love for Jesus. And so that's really... If, I, if you could have one thing, by the way, walking away from the sermon, it'd be make it your lifelong goal to take Psalm 23 and to really wrestle it deep down into your heart so it becomes a part of who you are. That's what Psalm 23 is for. So it's, a, it's the greatest psalm, greatest poem ever, ever written, and it's a friend for you on your journey. So whether this is your first time reading Psalm 23 or if it's your 900th time, Psalm 23, by the time you leave, just like that good friend, it's, you're going to have a sense that God really cares for you. You ever wonder that? You ever ask the question, does, does God really, does he really care about my life? Psalm 23's answer is absolutely. Absolutely the Lord cares for you. So here's what's going to happen, okay, this morning. Uh, because many of you are probably familiar with this psalm, uh, I'm not hoping to, you know, radically change the way you think about God, okay? Most of you probably, as you read the psalm once, you get a, a sense, a feel for what God is like. Uh, but all I want to do is just reflect, uh, read it, we're going to read the psalm, okay? And then we're going to reflect together on some wonderful themes in the psalm. And then we're going to look at how Psalm 23 uh, tells us about how wonderful Jesus is, okay? And after we think about Jesus and consider how wonderful he is, I'm going to pray, I'm going to sit down, and we're going to sing to Jesus, okay? That's it. That's what I want to do. We're going to read it. We're just going to reflect on it for a little bit, some few, a few themes. Then we're going to look at how the psalm points us to Jesus, how amazing he is, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to worship Jesus together, okay? So let's read Psalm 23. I'll read it aloud. You can listen to God's word. This is God's good and holy word, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is God's word. It is totally true. It's good for us. Will you please pray, for, pray with me? Father, as we turn to your word, we ask for your Holy Spirit to exalt Jesus from this text into our hearts. Help us believe all that you promise. Help us obey all that you command. Love all that you love. For the sake of your son, Jesus. Amen. So on a first reading of Psalm 23, uh, it fills you with this sense of rest and peace and security that everything, right, is going to be okay. So you might think the person who wrote this psalm had a really easy life, super uneventful, really peaceful, and definitely comfortable. But you would be wrong. Because the person who wrote this psalm, if you look at the, you know, the very, the little inscription just before the psalm, what does it say? It's a psalm of David. We're in a series, look at the life of David. Now we're looking at the psalms of David. And can I remind you of David's life? If there's any person that would not be confident in the Lord's care, you'd think it'd be David. Let me just remind you, David spent years hiding to escape death from the hands of Saul. David, King David, he committed adultery, and then planned someone's murder, and then he covered up that crime. David experienced the death of his young child, and then, to top it all off, uh, he had probably one of the most dysfunctional families ever. David experienced the threat of death, not from just enemies outside of his family, but actually his own son sought to destroy him. So last time I checked, I think David wins for the most troubled life ever. If there's anyone in the history of the human race that has reason to doubt God's love or to be hesitant towards being confident in the Lord's care, you'd think it'd be David. But look at what David says. Look at verse 1 real quick. Psalm 23, verse 1. He says, I shall not want. It's a confident assertion that everything he needs is provided for. And then in verse 4, he says what? He confidently declares, I will fear no evil. And then in verse 6, as the banner over his whole life, he looks back, and as David considers his life, he says this, Surely... Definitely, you can count on this, goodness and steadfast love shall pursue me. They will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you hear how confident David is? So here's the question. How can David, and then 
really us, how can we be confident in the midst of the sufferings and the brokenness that we experience in this world? Because as we experience these sufferings, as we experience this brokenness, this sin, we are tempted to question and doubt the Lord's love. We become hesitant towards the love. We, we become doubtful towards God's care for us. We think God is harsh. We think he's unkind. We have these dark thoughts about God, don't we? Because of what we experience. But David, David shows us an entirely different way of experiencing the Lord. And so here are the three themes I want to look at at Psalm 23. To be confident, you need to grasp at the core of your heart, at the, the very fundamental part of who you are, you have to become a person who knows that the Lord is your shepherd who provides for you, the Lord is your shepherd who is present with you, and the Lord is your host who celebrates you. The Lord is your shepherd who provides for you, the Lord is your shepherd who is present with you, and the Lord is your host who celebrates you. Let's look at this first point. The Lord is your shepherd who provides for you. Look at verse 1. David gives his first assertion of confidence. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Other translations would say, I lack nothing. Everything that David needs is supplied by a shepherd. How do we know this? We'll look down at verse 2. He says this, the Lord is my shepherd who makes me lie down in green pastures. See, David understands something fundamental about who he is in light of who God is. If God is his shepherd, what does that mean David is? David is a sheep. How many of you think sheep are dumb? That's what defines sheep. Actually, the jury is still out on that. Some commentators actually disagree with that. Some people who work with sheep actually disagree with that, understanding where sheep is. Actually, what defines sheep is not their dumbness, but their dependence. Sheep are utterly helpless and in constant dependence upon their shepherd to provide everything. And here we see sheep who are so prone to be uh, anxious and fretful and agitated. We see this sheep, David, lying down in green pastures. See, sheep will not lie down unless the Lord provide, or unless the shepherd provides everything they need for food and sustenance. Because once their tummies are full, they will lie down. And so the shepherd has to work tirelessly to make sure that he provides for them so that they can rest. And that's what happens in the next line. The shepherd then leads them beside still water. So food to eat, water to drink. See, fast-flowing streams, a sheep gets scared by those. And so there needs to be still waters. And so the shepherd will take his staff and make still waters, little pools that the sheep can go and drink from. And these two first lines, we have this image of rest. You see, the Lord, our shepherd, he brings rest to you. Are you weary? Are you tired? Do you know that your shepherd, your shepherd loves you and he provides rest for you? But David continues. He's confident not only because he has rest in his shepherd's provision, but it says in the next line, verse 3, another reason he's confident is that God, my shepherd, restores my soul. He restores, he brings back my soul to the place it's supposed to be. You see, sheep, sheep are experts at wandering, aren't they? Sheep wander off the right path, they go down the wrong path, and usually those paths end in danger, especially in the ancient Near East when this was written. 
there are wolves around. There are dangerous enemies that would attack the sheep. And if they're not by the presence of the shepherd, they're open and vulnerable to attack. And so the good shepherd is willing to and loves to pursue the wandering sheep, grab that sheep, bring it back to himself, and bring it back to the fold. Our good shepherd pursues lost sheep. Friends, are you, are you wandering down paths you shouldn't be wandering now? Are you messing around with sin that you know you should not be messing around with? Here's my good news to you. The good news from Psalm 23 is that you have a shepherd who restores. Some of you have lacked spiritual vitality in your life for a long time. And the Lord is a shepherd who comes to restore your joy and your fullness and to bring you peace and rest. This is what our shepherd does. He provides what you need to rest and then he pursues you and he restores you. He brings you spiritual vitality back. He goes down the path you've wandered and he grabs you and rescues you from that path of destruction and brings you back to himself. Do you know your shepherd? Do you know your shepherd right now is pursuing you? that he wants to bring you back. Are you coming back home? That's our good shepherd. That's David's confidence the Lord cares for him, that he provides for him both rest but also restoration, coming back from paths of, of wandering. But there's also another thing, right? If, if, if sheep go wander down wrong paths, what do they need? They need to be guided on the right paths. Look down at verse 3 again. David gives a final reason to be confident in the Lord's provision. The shepherd leads him, guides him on paths of righteousness, righteousness, paths of rightness, the right paths, for his name's sake. The good news is that when the Lord, our shepherd, guides us, he does not guide us based upon how well we're behaving as sheep, but upon his name's sake, for his glory. It's based in his character, not our character which is a mercy because so often we find ourselves wandering from him, wandering from his paths of goodness, his paths of peace. And so the promise of Psalm 23, the good news for you, is that you don't disqualify yourself from the guidance of the Lord if you've behaved poorly as a sheep. No, the Lord, for his name's sake, he puts his own reputation on the line by guiding his sheep down the right paths, paths of blessing, paths of sheep. You see, the way that we could say it is this. The Lord brings us down paths for his glory and the good of his sheep. His glory and our good. Friends, are you listening to your shepherd's voice in the Bible? That's how the Lord guides us. Are you walking down these paths? And as you walk down these paths, are you trusting that as he commands you to do something, he does not command you to burden your life but to bless your life. The commands given to us in Scripture are from a loving shepherd who wants to lead you down paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And if it's for his glory, you better believe it's for your good. So we see the Lord is our shepherd who provides for our daily needs and gives us rest. He is our Lord, our shepherd, who gives spiritual restoration when we wander down paths we shouldn't wander down. Then he provides guidance on paths that are for his glory and our good. But if we are honest, right, those paths that we wander down, 
they can turn into the valley of the shadow of death. Some translations would say the valley of deepest darkness. Look down at verse 4. So now the, the shepherd is leading his sheep, and it takes a turn down into the valley. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the valley of deepest darkness... What, is, what does David say? It's a confidence of strength. It's the second one, right? He says, I will fear no evil. So how is it when you face darkness, the, the darkness of suffering and pain in your life, you can say along with David, I don't fear any evil. How is that? Claire and I are recently reading a book about a man's, uh, it's a memoir about a man's struggle with depression. Most of his adult life, he has struggled with depression. He calls it a brainstorm in which when the depression rolls into his life, it's as if it's like a, an Iowa winter when a blizzard comes and you can't even see like five feet in front of you. And, he, and the, the title of this book is When Darkness Seems My Closest Friend. That's some of your experience right now, some of you in pain. That darkness feels like it's your closest friends. You have friends but they're not your closest friend. Your closest friend is darkness. David went through that valley, and he says, in the midst of that type of darkness, I shall not fear. Why? Because there's a friend that's even closer than the darkness. Look, David's no longer giving testimony. He's not saying, my shepherd this, and the shepherd does this. You know, he says what? He turns to the shepherd and says, I will fear no evil, because you... You, my loving friend, my Lord, you are my shepherd and you are with me. Four words that change everything in the midst of our suffering. And one of the key things you have to learn is this. Christianity, while it does give some really wonderful philosophical answers to the problem of suffering, what it gives in a deeper way that you really actually need, it doesn't give you philosophical answers to the problem of evil and suffering. It gives you the presence of, of a God who will walk with you in suffering. I bet you many of us would have testimony if we could all come on this stage of how Psalm 4 has become such a, uh, Psalm 20, 23 verse 4 has, has such a comfort to us, how it's played itself out in our lives. And I bet you, most of you would say in the midst of your valley of darkness, the times you have sensed the nearness of the Lord is not when people talk at you but when someone walks with you through the valley. When you are suffering, you don't need propositions. You need presence. That's why we fear no evil. Because what is the greatest evil that you or I could ever experience? It would be separated from the presence of a loving, good, holy God. And what David is saying is, I'm confident that I have the presence of this loving and good God. And if he is with me, then I have the greatest good any person can enjoy. So all the things that I might fear, compared to the goodness of the presence of my shepherd, it is nothing. I fear no evil for you are with me. And what does that look like? It looks like verse 4 again. That there's a rod, a rod that a shepherd would use to protect from danger. And then a staff, a staff that the shepherd used to prod the sheep to keep going. See, what happens in darkness, sometimes when we go through life, it feels like the lights in our life just go out. And you can't quite see how to move forward. And you don't know what the next step is. 
So it's really good that you have a shepherd who has a staff, and he will prod you, and he'll keep moving you forward down the path of darkness. And you, you can trust in this good shepherd because he's been down this path of suffering before you. He knows what it's like. He knows what you're going through. He knows how to lead you through the valley of darkness into the presence of his light. Friends, are you, are you trusting in your shepherd this morning? Those of you who like that author of that book that you'd say, wait, I'm pretty convinced that darkness is my closest friend. All I'm saying to you is, it might feel that way. It might seem that way, but it is a lie. You have a friend that's closer. You have a shepherd that's with you and his presence with you. You are with me. Peace. I will fear no evil for you are with me. We have a shepherd that doesn't just provide. We have a shepherd who's present with us. And then look what happens in verse 5. It's, it's a change of image. David is no longer talking about a shepherd, but now the shepherd has become a host. We might think that what happens in verse 5 is God, our shepherd, puts down his staff and his rod, and he picks up, picks up a spatula and puts on an apron. Here we are with a host in a house who's preparing a table in the presence of my enemies. So there's a table in the presence of enemies, and most commentators would say what's happening here, it's a victory celebration. This shepherd host has defeated the enemies, and now this guest is safe and secure. But here's the question, though. Look down at verse 5. Who is this celebration for? It's not for the host. No, if someone welcomes you into their home, you better believe the party is for you. You prepare a table, what? Before me. And then look what happens. It's a—it's not only a table, but there's an anointing of oil on the head. The Lord anoints my head with oil. It's a sign of honor. It's a sign that you are a welcomed guest, and more than a guest, you are my friend that I cherish my friend that I treasure. That's what the Lord does. He brings you, as one author would say, he brings you all the way into his heart and he loves you all the way to the end. That is our host. And then not only that, but look at this. We have a cup. And this cup that we have, in the midst of the feast the Lord's pre- uh, presenting before us, the, the feast that we have, it's, a, it's abundance, right? It's not just a cup that's partially full. Not a cup halvesy full. Not a cup three-fourths full. Not a cup even to like the brim, right? And then you have to kind of slurp it on the top. It's a cup that's overflowing. So here we see this image of God, our host, who loves to welcome us in, not only as guests, but as friends, to honor us as his precious friends that he loves and that he overwhelms us with his abundance and generosity. I wonder what you think about who God is. What do you imagine in your mind? Is God uh, bored with you? Is God too busy to bother with you? Is he holy and distant from all your life and your struggle and your pain? Is the God you imagine agitated by your failures and your stumblings? Is he the God who's disgusted by your moral impurity? That's not the God of the Bible. That's not the God of Psalm 23. This is a God who enjoys welcoming sinners as friends and throwing a party for them, overflowing their cup with all of his goodness and his love and his mercy. That is the God presented to us here in Psalm 23. It's a host who loves celebrating. Do you know that the Bible gives image about God 
that he loves to sing over his people with a song of joy. Uh, In Psalm 18, David writes about his experience with the Lord, and he says this, Lord, you have rescued me because you, what, tolerate me? Because you just have to put up with me? No, you rescue me because you delight in me, Lord. We have a Lord, a shepherd host, who delights in you, who enjoys celebrating you, who welcomes you all the way into his heart and loves you all the way to the end. That is our, our host. That's, friends, why we can look at verse 6. And David says these words in conclusion. He says, in conclusion, surely, without a doubt, I am confident of this. I look back on my life. I see my shepherd who's provided for me. I see my shepherd who's been present with me. I see this host who celebrates me, who welcomes me as his friend. And I know for sure that goodness and steadfast love shall pursue me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of this generous host forever. This is the God of Psalm 23. This is the God who wants to be your shepherd, who wants to be your friend, the God who wants to bring you all the way into his heart and love you all the way to the end. How do I know that's true? Because of Jesus. I told you we're going to talk about Jesus. So can we just spend a few moments just thinking about how wonderful Jesus is in light of Psalm 23? Do you know what Jesus called himself? Jesus called himself the good shepherd. In John 10, Jesus says these words, I came that they may have life, my sheep may have life, and have it abundantly. I've come that they would be provided for. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You know that when Jesus was here on earth, there were people that were hungry, and he looked out on this crowd. You know what it says about Jesus? As he looked at this crowd, it said he had compassion on them because they were like sheep, harassed and without a shepherd. And so he feeds those people. Jesus gives uh, food to the hungry. He gives drink to the thirsty, living water that will always satisfy. Jesus restores your soul. Jesus is the type of shepherd that will leave the 99 and go after the one sheep and draw that one sheep to himself, bringing that sheep back into his family. That is the Jesus that pursues you amidst all of your wandering. So some of you would think, I've got lots of baggage, Wade. You know the past that I have. Yeah, I don't know the past. Jesus does, and he goes after people with baggage. In fact, the one thing qualifies you for the shepherd to pursue you is that you're a sheep that wanders. Jesus is a shepherd that loves to pursue wandering sheep. And he goes after you no matter what paths you wander down, no matter what moral filthiness you've covered in your life, no matter how dirty and slimy you are. And this shepherd runs after you, embraces you, brings you to himself, and he brings you back home. You know what he does when he brings you back home? He throws a party. That's my shepherd. That's the shepherd of Psalm 23. That's Jesus Christ. Did you know that you don't just need a shepherd that's providing for you, right? You need a shepherd who's present with you. What does the Bible tell us about Jesus? It says that Jesus is who? God with us. What are the four words that you need in the midst of suffering? You are with me. You are with me. Jesus is God with you. Are you in the valley of affliction this morning? Are you in the valley of deepest darkness? Do you know you have a shepherd who suffers with you 
and actually goes to the valley of the shadow of death onto a cross, taking upon himself what? All of the evil that you would fear. What's the fundamental evil I said earlier? It's being separated from the God of goodness and love. But Jesus has dealt with that evil in his own suffering on the cross. So there's nothing that separates you from the love of God in Jesus Christ. So in the midst of your suffering, you have a friend, a shepherd, who is with you. He knows what suffering is like. He's gone after you. He will be with you no matter how dark it gets. There is a friend who's closer than your darkness. His name is Jesus. He's with you. But not only that, Jesus is our host. You know when Jesus was here on earth, what's one of the taglines people said about him? He was the friend of sinners. He was the friend who enjoyed going to parties. He enjoyed going to the place where people that, and the culture thought they were outcasts. He would go there and love them because Jesus is the friend who brings you all the way into his heart and loves you all the way to the end. And he throws a party, an overflowing goodness and abundance in your life. So what can we say in light of all these things? We say Romans 8, don't we? We say Romans 8, in light of our shepherd who provides everything for us, in light of our shepherd who's present with us in all of our sufferings, in light of a host that celebrates us with great joy, we say this, if our shepherd and host Jesus is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but provided him for us all, how will he not also with him graciously provide for us all things? We have a shepherd, a good shepherd who provides for us. Friends, who shall separate you from the love of your friend, this host who enjoys celebrating you? Nothing can separate you from the love of God and Jesus Christ. He is our great shepherd and host. You might ask, well, what about tribulation or distress or the evil lurking in the valley of the deepest darkness? No, nothing separates you. For we can be sure of this in a way that David never was, that Neither death nor life, nor angels or rulers, nor things present or things to come, nor height or depth, nor anything else in all creation. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Surely, you look and look back on your life, and as you walk with Jesus, you say, Surely, goodness and the love of Jesus Christ has followed me, has pursued me, has hounded me my entire life. And I know confidently that I will be going to a new heavens and new earth with righteousness and peace dwelling forever. And in the house of my Lord, I will dwell forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you so much that we know Jesus as our shepherd who's provided everything that we need, our shepherd who is present with us in all of our troubles, our host that celebrates us. Lord, I pray now that you would, by the Holy Spirit, make this come alive in our hearts. Would you come and would you seek after those who are wandering down paths, Lord, they should not wander? Would you be the good shepherd? Would they know that you are running after them, coming to bring them back? Lord, I pray for those who need rest, that you give them rest. I pray those who are in the valley, of deepest darkness, they would know they have a closer friend who is a host that's welcomed them all the way into your hearts and you will love them to the end. Thank you that nothing, nothing will ever separate us from this love of our shepherd and host. We praise you.
and worship you. You are amazing. Amen.